Hi, Lersley family. If we haven't already met, my name is Conrad. And I'm Abby, and we're the two youth interns who have had a blast hanging out with the youth here at ERBC. A little bit about us. I grew up in Edmonton, and I actually attended Lersley with my family growing up. I spent the last four years at Miller College of the Bible, three of which were in uh, school in Pamers, Saskatchewan, and the fourth in Red Deer doing my practicum at Bethany Baptist. I've had the privilege of being part of the youth ministry here since June, and it's been so great getting to know your kids and growing with the great leaders here. And I just started at Ellerslie in September and I have loved getting to know everyone here. We've already had so much fun at youth events this year. I'm finishing up my fourth year at Vanguard College here in Edmonton, and I've had the opportunity over the past few years to gain experience in different youth ministries around the city. And today we have the privilege of wrapping up our Can Cancel Christmas series with Can Cancel Mission, something that I think we've all been confronted with this season of COVID. Mission looks a lot different than it did before, uh, but what does the Bible say about the mission that Jesus went on, and what does that mean for us? We're going to be looking in Isaiah 53, but before we dive into what it says about God's mission and what that means for all of us, we want to tell you a little bit about what it means for us personally. If you're unfamiliar with Isaiah 53, here's a little background. Isaiah is written to the Hebrew people, warning them of the coming punishment due to their idolatry and lack of reverence to God. Much of the book speaks of the coming judgment. However, Isaiah sees hope on the horizon that though they will be conquered and taken from their land, a Messiah is coming to save and reconcile them to God. Isaiah 53 is one such chapter of hope. It's a prophetic chapter talking about this man of, who God is going to send who will suffer an incredible life and die to bear the sin of the world and cover the iniquities of man so they can be restored to righteousness with God. It's a passage that the Hebrew people understood as pointing to the Messiah, a person from the line of David who would free the nation of Israel from their oppressors and rule over the, them with a kingdom that would never end. We understand and believe that man was Jesus and that he fulfilled the prophecy in his life death and resurrection. When I read these verses, I'm taken back by the pure love that Jesus must have for me, that he was willing to endure a life of suffering, pain, rejection, and humiliating death, all for the sake of offering salvation to people who not only don't deserve it, but also often don't think they need it. This chapter to me is so foundational in seeing that God's love for us is so much greater than we often give him credit for. God's love for us is so deep, so rich, so sacrificial, that throughout history he gave chance after chance, opportunity after opportunity for mankind to right their wrongs, live by the law, serve him faithfully, and we failed him. But rather than give up on us, he made a way. He sent the suffering servant, the Messiah, Jesus, to take our sin upon him so that we could be in communion with him again. And that is so amazing and humbling for me. And so we see how this suffering servant is called by God to be his chosen one, which led to being rejected by others. And in that, the suffering servant does not defend himself. It leads to showing that the suffering servant is called to spread the message of salvation. He allowed himself to be wounded for others' transgressions, which ultimately led to his suffering, being an atonement for the sins of all mankind. For me personally, Isaiah 53 brought comfort to me in knowing that this suffering is not solely negative, but it has redemptive and transforming purposes. Right after high school, I made the decision to move to Australia for a year to spend one year focusing solely on God and furthering my relationship with Him and getting a greater understanding of Him. I told my closest friend at the time, him and I were like two peas in a pod. We hung out every day, did homework together. We spent almost all of our time together. But our biggest difference was that he did not believe in God. And so when I told him that I was spending one full year of my life studying God, he completely left me. He rejected our friendship and avoided me since he thought it was such a waste of time. This chapter of Isaiah brings comfort in knowing that the, time, or that the God who comforts me in these situations is the same God who experienced them firsthand. What does this tell us about God, though? We can see that it not only cost God something to send His only Son, 
but we look at the life of the suffering servant, who we know today to be Jesus, and see that it also cost Jesus something, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Uh, we see it cost Jesus physically. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. He was oppressed and afflicted. Like a lamb, he was led to the slaughter. As we see that he was beaten by the Pharisees and Romans near the end of his life, and ultimately left to suffocate on the cross, the crucifixion was a pleasant end. As one Roman orator said, it is a most cruel and disgusting punishment. The very mention of the cross should be far removed, not only from a Roman citizen's body, but from his mind, his eyes, his ears. The immense painful suffering of Jesus seems unbearable to start, but let's look at the other physical ways it cost Jesus to complete the mission. Jesus, the eternal Son of God, took on flesh and was made like us, fully human in every way. Jesus, who for eternity never had to experience hunger, pain, tiredness, whatever other physical human condition you can think of, now experienced them. His taking on flesh and feeling these human conditions brings us hope, as we do not have a high priest who is unable to emphasize with our weaknesses, but we have one who is tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. We see that he, did, he had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. The Son of God, whose magnificence was so beautifully described in Revelation 1, 13-18, came to earth and is physically unappealing to man. There was no glory in it. Jesus gave up his majesty, his magnificence, and took on the form of an unappealing average man. And so it cost Jesus physically to complete the mission. But it also cost him emotionally. Isaiah 53 says, He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like, like one from whom people hide their face. He was despised, and we held him in low esteem. We see that throughout Jesus' life, he's often mocked and humiliated by different groups of people, but more than that, it's the Pharisees, the very people who should, be, should have been ready and accepting of him. We see this in Matthew 27, 39 to 44. Those, those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the son of God. In the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders mocked him. Say, he saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. In the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. The very people who should have been affirming, saying at the feet of Jesus and desiring to learn and follow him, were the ones who were hating on him. Also, one interesting point to make is that we also often look at Jesus' life of pain and humiliation started when he started teaching, but there's an interesting view on his life. As we see in the Christmas story, Joseph so shows up with Mary, who was betrothed to him in Bethlehem. However, the author never tells us they actually had a traditional Hebrew wedding, meaning when Joseph showed up in his hometown of Bethlehem to the family that would have been invited to this wedding with an extremely pregnant wife, it would have appeared that he was a child out of wedlock, bringing shame upon Jesus even before he was born. If you look at his story through this view, Jesus' life of humiliation started long before he started teaching. Jesus' whole life was marked by humiliation and defamation. The Son of God came to earth, and rather than being given the praise and glory in mass like he so deserved, he was ripped down and mocked. And so we see it caused Jesus emotionally to complete this mission. And finally, it cost him spiritually. And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. In Jesus' death, do we see the ultimate cost he paid. 
he was numbered with sinners. The Son of God, the only man to live a pure and holy life, free of blemish and sin, died the death of a criminal on a cross. But even worse than that, the connection between God the Father and the Son was severed at the cross when the sin of the world was placed upon him. The mockings, beatings, pain, sorrow, and everything else Jesus endured through his life could not compare to this type of cost. Jesus experienced separation from the Father at the cross when he called out. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried in a loud voice, Elo, Eli, Eli, lama sabathia, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus, the Son of God, lost the intimate relationship or connection with the Father in that moment when the Father turned his face away because he couldn't be in the presence of sin. The sin of the world, all that had been done and will be done, were placed upon Jesus at the cross. Jesus felt the human condition of depravity or separation from God in that moment. And so we see it cost Jesus spiritually to complete this mission. But he completed it. Jesus saw the cost of it all and still completed it because completing that mission was worth it. As we see, after he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied by his knowledge. My righteous servant will justify many and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him portion among the great and he will divide the spoils with the strong because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors, for he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. The outcome of suffering physically, emotionally, and spiritually for Jesus, justifying mankind, repairing the relationship between God and his creation. Jesus saw what it would cost him, the sorrow, misery, humiliation, and beatings, and said it is worth it because it will bring my people back to me. It will be the sacrifice to end all sacrifices, the atonement that will cover the sins of the world. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David shall be the prince among them. And I, the Lord, have spoken. We are now able to go to the Father. Our sin, blemish, and failures have been covered by the sacrifice on the cross. We are able to be in a relationship with him and continue the mission that he set before us. But what does that mean for us? A few weeks ago, we filmed a special Youth Christmas Diva for our online Youth Christmas Banquet. I was closing our scripture reading by sharing a message of hope, but I felt that it was important to address the reality of our lives first. I think we could all agree our present circumstances are difficult. Our current reality has caused most people to give up their normal life routines that they were used to living. But us as followers of Jesus are still called to live a missional life in this time, and it can feel like a daunting task. Psalm 46 verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. This reminds us that God's presence allows us to not fear our reality. We were not promised that we would not experience hardship. And Isaiah 53 shows us this reality of hardships there are in the life of a Christian. But God promises that he is our strength to endure it. And he led by example in this. At the end of the day, whether it's Christmas time or not, whether it's a pandemic or not, we're still called to do the work of the church and to continue to be the church. The job of a Christian does not change in different trials, but our approaches may vary. It's not always easy. There's hard times and often it can feel impossible. How do we serve others and fulfill the mission in a time where I can't even see others? As Conrad shared the physical, emotional, and spiritual cost, I wanna talk about how we can be missional in those three ways. We can acknowledge the cost of those and move forward in being missional. We see how Jesus used these three aspects and was able to love on others and point them to the Father. And that's what we are called to do as well. There's so many different ways to go about this. I'll share a few tips of ways that I think you can go about this, but I'll also, but also be commenting in the chat about more ways that you can do this and encourage one another in this. We can be physically missional to one another. 
A few weeks ago, we had Christmas in a bag, and those came with window markers. Sneak to someone's house and leave a loving message on their window to let them know you're thinking of them. Grab a Starbucks and leave it on someone's doorstep. Tell the person in front of you at the grocery store that you think they have a cool mask. You can be missional on an emotional level, too. Invest in your friendships. Get to know your friends well. Check up on those who may be on their own or struggling with mental health. You can be missional on a spiritual level. Prayer is one of the best tools we have. Don't minimize its importance. Prayer does make a difference. Triads and Bible studies that push you to strengthen your relation in Jesus make a difference too. These may seem like small acts, but they can lead to conversations of sharing Christ with someone or even getting them to think about there's something different about you. These are probably things you've heard of before, to go be a light in dark times. But don't forget our purpose in doing so. Isaiah 53 speaks of the suffering Christ endured so we can live out this mission. The mission comes at a cost. There's a sacrifice on many levels, but we've been given the freedom to share about who Christ is. So we should share the mission and continue to remember that whether it's Christmas time, whether COVID exists, or any life circumstance, that the mission won't be canceled. Let's pray together. God, we just thank you so much that you, you sent your son to experience firsthand so that he can walk us through these situations. Lord, I just pray that as we go about in this time, that you'll just continue to lead us of how we can be missional to one another, how we can love on others in the best that we can. So Lord, I just pray over everyone in this Christmas season that um, you'll just give us ways to just bless others and just really show the love of Christ in such tangible ways to those around us. So yeah, Lord, I just pray your blessing over all those who are watching this and their families. I pray this in your name. Amen.